Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to UCF Nightline, your source for UCF sports and former player information. Hello, Night Nation. This is Andrew Fegley, and this is episode 102 of Nightline. Joining me on the phone is... Trace Trolko. Hello, everyone. Traveling for work and visiting some family, but glad to be joining you by phone. Nightline 102 is brought to you by the Dever Team, your source for New Smyrna Beach real estate and everything else New Smyrna Beach. Go to thedeverteam.com and call UCF alumni Travis Dever for all your New Smyrna Beach needs. 386-690-1636, 386-690-1636. Trace, what's going on? Well, there is so much going on. And men's basketball gets its first ever NIT victory, now ready for round two. Women's basketball, they also get their first ever WNIT win. However, Sunday they fall short in the second round. Spring football, I know your favorite time of the year now, football begins this week. We have former Knights quarterback Kyle Israel stopping by. Some former Knights making deals in the NFL. And plus, the voice of UCF softball, Eric Lopez, brings us up to speed on the Knights as American play gets underway right around the corner. A lot going on. Just ahead, we have the latest from baseball, too, but it's basketball that tops the night line this week. Yeah, I mean, you got to be impressed by UCF basketball, don't you? They, they're in their first ever NIT victory, 79-74 over Colorado. It was really exciting to be at the arena to watch that one. B.J. Taylor, team high, 26 points. Balanced attack, A.J. Davis put up 17. Matt Williams also with 17. Taco Fall had 10. And now... Andrew, round two of the NIT, taking on Illinois State Monday at 7 o'clock. And how about that Nick Banyard's previous team? So a little bit of a storyline in this one. Exciting, exciting stuff. If we win, we would probably play Illinois. And supposedly Illinois' arena is not available during that time. They would host because they're a higher seed but i guess we're gonna have the chance to host that could be interesting that so is exciting you- but uh, you got to take care of business first and uh you know illinois state hasn't lost a game at home this season so it's going to be a, a raucous atmosphere 
uh, at Redbird Arena, and UCF's gonna, you know, is gonna have to play tight defense in this one. Uh, you know, already with a victory over Colorado, the Knights picked up their 22nd win of the season. We talked about this every week, Andrew, as the victories were uh, increasing. How this just blew our minds that this is the team, you know, that they put this record together. When UCF takes on Illinois State Monday, UCF will have played more games than in any previous season, a total of 34. Who would have thunk it? But I do like what you're thinking there. Win and then host a game in the next round of the NIT. I think the guys can do it. I think they're on fire right now. I think it is exactly the time and exactly what Coach Dawkins has had in his head this entire year. I think he's got them prepared. Well, you know, he liked what his team did in the 79-74 opening round NIT win over Colorado, that's for sure. We're fortunate to get the win. You know, we're excited about moving on. And I was really proud of our guys' overall play. I thought that was probably one of our best offensive performances. Usually we hang our hat on our defense. But today I think our offense carried us. And, uh, and it, was, it couldn't have been you know, you know, better timed because uh, we needed all of the points we scored tonight in this game. B.J. Taylor isn't ready for the season to end, and when it does, he wants it to be with a victory. I mean, it'd be great for us because there's only going to be a handful of teams that finish this season with a win. So, I mean, we're in a, we're in a, we have a chance to finish the season off with the championship. So, I mean, it's not the tournament we wanted to be in, but we can't dwell on the past. we got to move on, and like Coach says, they're keeping time and score. We're going to compete. So we definitely want to send the seniors out the right way, Matt, Tank, Nick. We want to send those guys out the right way and send those guys out with a – with memories that they can they can live with forever. You know, Colorado's head coach Chad Boyle says the Knights have a very special player in one B.J. Taylor. Well, he's a good player. I mean, B.J. Taylor's a heck. I mean, look, Central Florida's got a nice team. I mean, he's uh, he's terrific. He's good off the bounce. Again, he got to the foul line and he can shoot threes. He made a couple big time threes. You know, look, Central Florida when they got their shots and they got their looks, they knocked them down. Uh, we had enough looks in the second half, but we didn't knock ours down. They didn't go in. And so uh, I don't want to oversimplify it and you know, say they made shots and we didn't, but they made shots when they had to. B.J. Taylor's a heck of a player. It's almost easy to forget now that when UCF head coach Johnny Dawkins was hired, Matt Williams almost left for Wake Forest. He's so glad he changed his mind. You know, if you have a coach like Coach Dawkins, you know, I would say, you know, don't second guess him, don't question it, you know, just stay here. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna mold you into a player, you know, mold you into um, mold you to get the mindset of, of winning, you know. And um, I tell any recruit in the, in the country, you have an offer from here. It's the place you want to be. After Wednesday's win, we talked with former Knights point guard AJ Ramsa, who says BJ Taylor is key for the, to the Knights' continued success. He's incredible. Uh, every time I watch him, I become a bigger fan of his. Just from the way he plays, the way he um, the way he controls himself on the floor. Uh, the way he demands the ball in, in, in big-time situations. And like I said before, you need a player like that, someone that's not afraid to, to step up when uh, the team needs them. And, and I know that Coach probably loves having them. Um, just a, someone like that who, who's on the floor, that it's almost like a second coach. You know, that's, that's what the point guard is. It is a second coach, and, and the coach is putting his trust in B.J. to, to lead the team uh, when he's out there and to make the right decisions. And, you know, I think he, he is doing that. Well, you know, round two for the Knights tips off at 7 p.m. Monday, March 20th. UCF faces number one seed, Illinois State. Expect this to be a very good game. I have confidence in the Knights. A couple other former Knights making news this NCAA tournament season. Former UCF head coach Kurt Spira and his Iowa Hawkeyes, where he's an assistant. They saw Sunday in overtime in the second round of the NIT. And former Knight Brandon Gooden put up 28 points for Florida Gulf Coast. 
their opening NCAA round loss to Florida State. A couple of teams uh, still left in the American are UCF, and as we record Cincinnati, the 6-seeded Bearcats beat 11-seeded Kansas State on St. Patrick's Day. They're playing the Sunday late game against UCLA. SMU, I got to tell you, Andrew, was very disappointing. Quick exit. Six-seeded Mustangs upset by 11-seeded USC, 66-65. Expected them to at least win round one. And Houston won and done. They fell to Akron in the NIT's first round. So eh, not the best postseason for the American, but UCF still has hopes going into that Monday night game. All right, also there was some women's basketball uh, action going on earlier in the week and then today. So, Trace, tell us about that. Well, I'll tell you what, I followed it all along on Twitter because I had some family responsibilities. Back and fourth game with Georgia Tech for the women. Second round of the WNIT. However, late run by the Yellow Jackets. They beat tonight 63-51. As you mentioned earlier in the week, a little bit more success that home game. That's when the Knights earned their first ever women's NIT victory, 73-53 over nearby Stetson. That team coached by former UCF head coach Lynn Bria. All in all, I mean, we got to give credit. I mean, we've been talking about this for weeks. UCF finishes the season 21-12 and 12 off a seven-win season. Nobody, nobody saw any of that coming. So congratulations to Coach Abe and the, and the women's basketball team on a great season. Uh, meantime, congrats to former women's head coach Joy Williams. You remember her. Now an assistant with the WNBA's San Antonio Stars. Coming up, we're talking spring football with Kyle Israel, plus the latest from UCF baseball and softball. Stay right there. There are so many ways to connect with Nightline. You can like us on Facebook at Nightline Podcast or follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Check out our website at www.ucfnightlinepodcast.com for recruit spotlights, archived episodes, and more. Or, of course, you can always call us at 407-401-9184. That's 407-401-9184. Listen whenever and wherever you are on YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, or tune in. Go Knights and charge on! Welcome to Inside the Huddle with former UCF quarterback Kyle Israel, brought to you by the Little Greek Fresh Grill. Fresh, flavorful, fabulous Waterford Lakes, 855 North Althea Trail, Orlando. All right, please welcome back Kyle Israel. It's been a long time since we've talked to him. We're getting ready for football season, at least for spring football season. Kyle, welcome back. Thanks for having me back, Andrew. Uh, it has been a while. I think these three months have flown by. Uh, it's funny that we're already talking about spring football, but it's one of those uh, exciting times of the year if you're if you're a football fan, certainly after you get out of March Madness and you have spring football to look forward to. Yeah, I cannot wait. I, I'm just dying for August to come around and then September after that. Drew, I'll say one thing. It is really cool to have a basketball team that's in the NIT while we're having spring football conversations because I can't say that I've had that conversation in a very long time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It is. It's, it's amazing what they've done. Unfortunately, the women lost their NIT game today 
but uh, they did a great job. And, and Danny White has made great hires so far, and, and I can't say enough about what he's doing. First of all, though, let's talk about what the coaches hope to achieve during spring practice. What do you think that they're trying to do with this group of spring practices that they have? You know, I think there, there's a couple things that they're, they're looking at. I think number one is building some continuity uh, between the players that have come back. You look in, in the defensive backfield, we're going to have to fill some big holes. Obviously, one of the Griffin twins uh, is going to be moving on to the NFL, especially after the pro day that he had. You know, so you're going to have to fill some holes and build some continuity in the, in the defensive backfield. Um, but I think you're really trying to figure out who's going to be, who's going to be your stars, who are going to, who's going to make plays for you, who's going to, who's going to put the ball in the end zone and, and work hard and, and out-hustle everybody else. I think there's so many things that spring football allows you to look at, but certainly the biggest thing in my mind is who is going to make plays for this football team next season on the offensive side of the ball outside of Traquan Smith, and who is going to make plays for us under center. This is a really, really important spring uh, for Mackenzie Millen before he has any real competition coming in in this fall camp. Well, speaking of McKenzie, he comes into camp the most experienced signal caller. What does he need to show the most over the next month? Well, I think he needs to show that he's healthy. Obviously, last year at the end of the season, you and I had some conversations on the podcast about his shoulder, and I, you know, I had heard that, that he was still recovering from an injury in high school, and that's why he had this throwing motion that he did, this sidearm throwing motion. I'm interested to hear and see uh, how he's progressed with throwing the football. I, I have the, I'm fortunate enough to, to deliver food to the football team uh, one night a week. Uh, Little Greek caters them dinner, and I see all these guys in street clothes, and there are some guys that look pretty big and look like they're putting on size. It's hard to tell with McKenzie, uh, honestly, when I see him every week. But I'm interested to see how does he deliver the football, how does he take control of this team, do, do the other guys on the field look to him as the leader of this football team, and, and can he make plays with his arm? We know he's capable of making some plays with his feet. I think you want to see him mature in regards to how he uses his legs. Andrew, obviously, he took some bad sacks last year. Um, and I think that, that type of thing improves with, with maturity and with time. So I, I think that now being in the program you know, for an entire year, we'll get a glimpse of, of hopefully a healthy McKenzie and somebody that can deliver the football down the field because that's what we really, really lacked last season was being able to put the ball in the air down the football field to open up uh, some of our speedy running backs in the running game. So I'm going to be looking for those things, especially for McKenzie. Frost going into his second spring, I guess, would be the best way to ask this. How much more of his offense does he get to install during like the spring camp? Well, certainly much more than, than you would have seen last year. I think Last year, he, he was probably really focused on terminology, basic schemes, basic concepts, basic reads for the quarterback position, both in the running game and in the passing game. And, and they were just really probably putting in a lot of basic terminology so that the team knew that they could go out there and run an arsenal of 10, 15, 20, 25 plays when they got into fall camp. I think now, if I were Coach Frost, I'd want to be able to span the playbook. Obviously, they've been spending time with the players this offseason. Players have been out probably doing some pass skeleton on their own, uh, having some chances to work on their own. I see those skill position players in the Nicholson Fieldhouse working on ball drills and, and catching the football. I've seen that through the past three months uh, with my own eyes. 
So, I, you know, I think that they're probably trying to get many more plays installed to see what they're capable of doing and then to see what spots they need to fill with some of these potential young athletic freshmen that we have coming in. You mentioned earlier that we have lost a lot on defense, especially with Shaquille Griffin, you know, be, m- moving on. He'll, he'll definitely be in the NFL with the combine that he had. Just an amazing mm-hmm. job there. But what are some of the goals for the defense over the next few weeks? Well, I think the same that you that you looked for on offense with McKenzie in regards to him being a leader, you're looking for that leadership on the defense. Obviously, Shaquem Griffin with the year that he had last year is going to be a natural leader, leader for us. But, you know, you're kind of looking who's going to be that linebacking core. We've had some guys transfer out this offseason. Uh, establishing a linebacker core, filling the gap of Shaquille Griffin at corner, and developing some, some leadership, just as important as that is on offense, it's it's – almost as important on defense and and we're looking for playmakers our defense played well in spots last year you know they really kind of held it together for us and kept us in ball games throughout the course of the season when our offense was playing you know really subpar and not scoring a lot of points so I'm looking for that leadership I'm looking for playmakers and honestly as a fan um, I'm looking for new talent to get excited about. Speaking of guys transferring out, I mean, th- there's quite a few guys. I mean, there's a couple quarterbacks that have transferred, now a couple defensive players that are transferring that we both really can't remember their names, which ones they are, unfortunately. An <laughs> offensive lineman or two. It seems like there's a lot of people transferring out of this system. Do you find that a bit strange, or do you think that that's just all part of it? Well, I, I don't think that it's too strange coming off the first year of a new head coach. I mean, by that point in time, a player has enough opportunity to kind of evaluate his situation and where he, what his role on the football team may be. And if he doesn't feel like he's going to fit into the packages or the schemes that Coach Frost and, and his staff, both offensive and defensive, are going to run, they've now had 12 months to kind of figure out if they're going to be a part of that. So I'm not shocked that some guys say, you know, I was recruited by Coach O'Leary. Unfortunately, I don't really fit into Coach Frost's system or his schemes that he wants to run here. And I'm going to have to make a decision to go somewhere that I think that I can get on the field. So I don't think it's too much out of the ordinary. I wouldn't be too concerned about it. But with a team that was seemingly thin and young already, to have some guys like Burkett at the linebacker position – uh, you know, transfer out, even a Tyler Harris, who we never thought would be a starter in Coach Frost's scheme, but maybe a guy that could be a pretty decent backup or somebody who would be a serviceable backup. Um, you know, for those guys to leave, it leaves a spin at, at, at the quarterback position especially. But I don't think you, I, I'm too concerned about that uh, taking place. I think that's kind of a natural process after a year of a new coach being in the program. All right. Well, they're playing a primetime spring game. So uh, can that fire the players up a bit to have something to look forward to? I would have loved to have played under the lights and played at night for a spring game. I would have loved to play in a stadium, period, for a spring game when I was playing. But I think anytime you get an opportunity to put game uniforms on, it doesn't really matter who you're competing against. If you're out there lining up against your own team, uh, you know, these guys are competitors and, and to have it at night and, and, and arguably you think we have a, a pretty good crowd turnout, especially with what we saw last year at the spring game. I think it's plenty, plenty uh, enough to fire these guys up uh, because there's high expectations for this team this year. 
Well, there is absolutely high expectations, and we will uh, talk a lot more about that in the future. Hopefully you'll be able to come on with us uh, coming up here leading into the season and maybe after the spring game and all that stuff. So You know, it's, it's the time of year. I I'm really am looking forward to, to, to seeing what McKenzie can do because I think that's going to tell us a lot about going into fall camp and what we expect to see out of that competition. I think we got two guys, uh, the guy from Nebraska and the guy from Virginia, who are both very high competitors uh, in multiple sports at the high school level. Those guys are going to want to come in and compete. And right now is a prime opportunity for McKenzie to either solidify himself as a starter or put himself in position to have to truly, truly compete for a starting job in this fall camp. And I'm interested to see how he responds to that because it's, there's nobody else there. You know, he's going to get a majority of the reps. Um, he's going to get opportunities to make mistakes. And I'm interested to see how he takes advantage of, of a spring practice where really he's the guy because in college football these days, that's really rare. Yeah, definitely the next man up, you know, always in college football. So we haven't talked to you in so long. Let it, tell us a little bit about what's going on with the Little Greek. Yeah, so we, uh, we've, we've had an incredible year. We're breaking records in our Waterford Lakes location seemingly week after week. We've had so much incredible support from, from the, the UCF community and the East Orlando community that has put us in a position to continue expanding. And so here in the next few weeks, we're going to be um, closing a deal on a Lake Nona location and starting construction down in Lake Nona. So if any of our listeners live down there, we'll be coming that direction about to close a deal for a location out in Winter Garden Village. So any of our uh, you know, podcast listeners uh, in West Orlando or any UCF fans out there, uh, we're going to be opening a spot out there in the Winter Garden Village. Um, so we're, we're slowly, cautiously expanding the right way, and we've certainly appreciated all the support that we've seen thus far, and hopefully that will continue. Thank you so much, man. It was good to talk to you. Absolutely. Thanks, Andrew. Always good to have Kyle Israel on Nightline. Again, spring football gets underway March 21st, 15 practices in total. Concludes with the spring game that's scheduled for 6:30 p.m. Saturday, April 22nd, and again this year under head coach Scott Frost, practice is closed to the public. Have you ever wondered what Latavius Murray would look like in purple? Well, the former Knights uh, running back trades Oakland silver and black for Minnesota's purple jersey. He will not wear the number 28, though. He has said in uh, respect to Adrian Peterson, he does not want to be adrian peterson's replacement he says but anyway he will be basically that'll be nice that's a good move for him and also camille ishmael did not earn a super bowl ring but he did pick up a big payday inking a reported one-year deal with atlanta for a cool 2.5 million dollars I like the idea of Latavius with Jacksonville a little bit better than Minnesota, though. Uh, UCF baseball with a rare loss Sunday, falling at Jacksonville 7-1. to UCF now 17-4. and The brighter spots were Friday and Saturday. Saturday, one, Pimentel moved to 5-0 and in the night's 10-3 win at Jacksonville. And then Friday started Robbie Howell. He was lights out, notching his first career shout-out during a complete game 3 UCF won that one 4 nothing. Howell improves to 4-0 and as well. And a little reaction from the, uh, the the hurler from his Friday performance. Honestly, uh, in the bullpen, I didn't have my best stuff a little bit, but uh, I kind of just cleared it when I left the pen and kind of just said I was going to come out here and compete with my team. And uh, going against another good arm, I, I've really been looking forward to going out and fighting and going against somebody like that. So I just kind of just did my thing, kind of just pitched, you know. 
Well, UCF is back at it March 21st at Bethune-Cookman, then back home for a weekend series with Dartmouth. Meantime, softball salvaged game three of the weekend series with number 14, Baylor. The Knights beat the Bears 4-2 Sunday to improve to 15-12 and on the season. Please welcome the voice of the softball Knights and one half of the black and gold banneret, our good friend Eric Lopez. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing good, Andrew. It's nice for me to, for a change to come on after Jeff keeps hogging up all the airtime when he comes on with you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's true, I guess. That does happen sometimes. Uh, Let's start with UCF salvaging the final game against 14th-ranked Baylor. Well, I think that was a significant win. I mean, certainly the weekend didn't go as planned for them. Uh, Baylor outplayed them, quite honestly, the first two days. Uh, and this young team, you wondered where it was going to go. Was it, is it one of those things where if you lose to a 14th-ranked team, you get swept, maybe the season starts kind of heading south a little bit. And I thought it was resilient for them to come out, beat them, salvage a game. The freshman pitcher, Leah White, their ace, uh, gets that win over a top 25 team right off the bat as a freshman. And I think it's a big confidence booster for them. They, they Now they know they you know they have that proof that they can beat the top teams in the league, uh, which sounds kind of bizarre to say, but when you consider you have nine freshmen on this roster, Andrew, you had nine out of the 17 players are all freshmen, seven true freshmen, nine in total. All of them had, have had playing time this year. It's a young team that's kind of learning on the fly, and I think that was just the big win about Baylor now is they, they kind of stopped the bleeding a little bit and maybe could be the turning point where they're kind of turning their season back upward and, and, and really an important win with conference now a week away. All right, well, what did you see that might be the building block with the American play coming? Well, the building block had started in the circle with Leah White. Right? Do you look at the beginning of the season? That was going to be the big question. Was with Shelby Turnier, the All-American pitcher, graduating, the all-time winningest pitcher in UCF softball history, graduating. You also had your number two pitcher graduate. You know, where, where, how was it going to be the pitching? And, and it's a young staff with uh, three freshman pitchers and and the one senior, Mimi Calixto, has had limited action last year. So you wondered how the pitching would be. And certainly, as you would expect with young pitching, it would be kind of a little bit up and down, but. I think Aaliyah White has shown that uh, she is capable of being the number one and being the next one, if you will. Uh, she's, a, she's a kid out of Tampa, uh, very similar uh, style of pitching to Mackenzie Otis with a changeup and so forth, has a good moxie about her. And I think that's the big thing, as you learn, is by being Baylor, is that you have that pitcher that you can win games. And I think you also learn that you've got some hitters like Cassidy Brewer who can step up in big moments and, and really start us uh, uh, get big hits for you. So, I think it's a team that's capable of win, you know getting some big wins. It's young. It's proven that that, that nothing's going to phase them. Uh, even if things don't go well, they're they're willing to fight and compete. And I think that's the positive to learn with again conference starting a week. And oh by the way, the number one ranked team in the country, Florida State, coming on Wednesday. Yeah, I was going to mention that a little later. Thanks for taking that question out of it. (laughs) It's all good. You mentioned a couple times that this is a young Knights team. How have you seen them grow during the non-conference slate? Well, I mean, they're growing by the day. I mean, they're getting better by the day compared to the opening day of the season. Uh, You know, it's slow steps. Some of them take some, you know, take them a little while to get kind of learn the game. Some of them are still learning. I mean, that's, that's the uniqueness of young people. It's everybody kind of goes at their own pace. Uh, Ali, I think, has grown from the old, her first start to now. She's getting better every day. They're getting that valuable experience, Andrew. You're playing at the highest level at Division One. 
So you, you, you just kind of have to learn on the fly. There is no, you know, you can only practice. You can only have scrimmages so much. You're going to have to learn in live pitching. And so, you know, and I talked to Aaliyah, for example. Here's an example. They played Georgia a week ago. They led. They, they came back from a 3 nothing deficit, led, six to, uh, led in the seventh inning, coughed up the lead. And Aaliyah even said that was a learning experience. And, and going through that helped her today in beating Baylor. And I think that's an example of kind of how this young team is kind of learning. They're going through things for the first time. Uh, to compare this team to you know last year or the two years ago is, is not accurate. They're completely different teams. Last two two or three years, this UCF team was full of experienced players who have been through battles and and knew what it took to get wins and, and, and win in different ways. Whereas this team is basically new and is start is learning how to win in different ways. And I think that that's what this team has kind of I've learned about this team is they're resilient. And, and and just when you think that maybe things are kind of good, not going in a good direction, they find a way to kind of pull themselves back off the dirt, if you will, and pick up wins. So I, I think the future is good. And I've said, I think people have asked me before the season about this team, and I said, don't judge them by February. Let's see where they're at in April. And I feel like this team will be a lot better in a month from now uh, than they were, say, right now when we're talking. So you mentioned a little while ago, I am going to ask this question anyway, number one ranked FSU comes midweek. How does UCF beat the Knolls? That's going to be a good question. That's a big challenge for this young team, a big test. Florida State, number one in the country, and I think they are the best team in the country. I picked them in the before the year to win the national title. This might be the best FSU team they've ever fielded in softball. But the good news is here is that Florida State has played a bunch of ranked teams already this year. They, they played UCLA up in California, lost a tight one, one nothing. They played at Alabama twice. Uh, and actually almost beat them, should have beaten them the second game, had a bases-loaded situation in the sixth inning. I was actually watching the game with Trace. Me and Trace were at the men's basketball game against Cincinnati, and I actually watched the game on the phone and watched the end of that, and they almost beat Alabama, shouldn't have beaten Alabama. So the only reason I bring those games up as an example is they have faced now, and of course Baylor's ranked 14th in the country, they have faced the best teams in the country. So I don't think that will be an issue. They won't be phased by facing Florida State. How they beat them, well, they're going to have to hit when they have runners in scoring position. They're going to have to cash in. That sometimes has been some of their bugaboo this season is they've left runners on base. They're hitting pretty well. They're hitting 281. Where they have run into trouble is they've left a lot of runners on base. You can't do that against Florida State, who has tremendous pitching. So when you have those opportunities, you got to get them cash in. And you can't give Florida State free, uh, free at-bats. And what I mean by that is you can't give them walks. You can't give them airs. That's been another thing where the, this young team sometimes gets themselves in trouble is they get make an error or two and then a walk, and next thing you know, uh, the inning kind of gets a, a, a kind of away from them. So it's a very experienced Florida State team, a veteran Florida State team. I mean, to put it in perspective, uh, you know, Andrew, this pretty much the entire Florida State roster except for basically two to four kids played UCF in that 2015 regional. Whereas from UCF standpoint, only Brittany Solis, the shortstop, Linnea Goodman, the left fielder, uh, and then Courtney Roden, who was a freshman at the time, and Megan Greenwell, only those four players, and Willow Callanan, five players still remain from that 2015 regional matchup between Florida State and UCF, and that was the year UCF won 50 games uh, and were sent to Tallahassee, and Florida State won a dramatic regional. So it gives you a perspective of what we're dealing with with the experience of Florida State and the youth and the turnover in UCF. Coach Gillespie schedules strong. How will this help UCF in league play? 
what will help them is in that they face the best pitching in the country. They have faced the best hitters in the country already, and the theory and behind it, and then this is her philosophy, is by playing the top teams in the country, you learn what your strengths and your weaknesses are and what you have to improve on, and you're hoping that that pays off when you get in the conference. You know, for this team, there's not going to be a pitcher in the American Conference that they're going to face that's better than what they've already faced of the likes of, of an Osorio, for example, at, at Alabama or the Florida State pitching they're about to see. Uh, they're not going to see a hitter as good as the ones they saw in Baylor or Florida State or Alabama or UCLA. So it should toughen them up to get ready for conference, which is, is a, you know, it's intense every game, every out. It's a battle. It's a grind. Uh, but this team's been tested already and battle tested. That's the goal is to be battle tested going into conference. That's the philosophy because there's a contrast. The other the philosophy is you go with a soft schedule. And, yes, by the soft schedule, you can maybe build up some confidence and get some wins, but you don't really know who you are going into conference. So that's why I think Coach Gillespie likes to schedule tough, even if it means maybe take, you know, maybe your team gets kind of a couple of uh, punches to the face, but it makes them tougher and makes them mentally tougher getting into conference play and turn it on once you get into conference. Kind of leads me into another question, and this one's right off the top of my head. Wasn't planning on asking this one, but since you we talking uh, talking about non conference scheduling, we know in football the non conference schedule is is a huge thing. The better your non conference schedule, the better you do. The you know the easier it is to get ranked and everything else. Does that matter as much or at all in softball? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, there's the RPI. You know, from that standpoint, you want to put yourself in a position where getting quality wins and playing a tough schedule, uh, you have a chance to improve your RPI, you improve your resume to make the NCAA tournament. You uh, does improve your chances to get ranked. I mean, one of the reasons why UCF, going back to 2015, Andrew, when you had me on, UCF went uh, finished in the it was a top 20 team in the country. They won the regular season and conference tournament championship in the American Conference, and yet they didn't get to host. You know, one of the fe- uh, reasons that people threw out there is, well, their schedule wasn't tough enough, quote unquote. Now, I didn't agree with that, but the point is that I, you know, the point is, uh, yeah, I think it does matter. I think it matters to play these top teams. And I think the big thing that's unique this year, Andrew, is you've got teams. Look at the teams that UCF's hosted this year. Baylor's come here for three games. Georgia, the top 20 team, has come here to play in Orlando against UCF. Uh, you, you know, Alabama last year came here to play. Kentucky this year came to play. Florida State's coming here to play this year. My point is, some of the top teams and top programs are now coming to UCF to play, whereas in years past, UCF softball had to go places to play people. Now UCF has earned that respect nationally that teams are willing to schedule UCF, is willing to play at UCF tournaments because they respect the program and, and with the job that Coach Gillespie's done. So absolutely it matters from that standpoint, from a, from a resume standpoint, from an RPI standpoint, and from a reputation standpoint that people respect the program uh, is it, significant. And, and I think that, uh, that that's a big positive Two, from a recruiting standpoint now, because if you're Coach Gillespie, the spin that you sell your players and your recruits is, if you come to UCF, you're going to play the best teams in the country. And I think that's helped in their recruiting as well. As we look at the American, how do you think UCF stacks up? Well, it's fascinating this year because I think the American Conference, since it was uh, created, is probably the most wide open this year. And the reason I say that, I think it's a bit of a transition year in the league. USF won the regular season title last year. Well, they lost their number one pitcher who graduated. They lost their best player overall, the American Player of the Year, uh, 
left the team, got dismissed earlier this season, uh, which was a big story. They've also had some injuries on their team, and they've got some pitching issues. So they're a little down. you got Tulsa, to me, who's the conference tournament champion. They're, prob- they're the preseason favorites. they got the most hitters returning. They've got a veteran pitcher in Watson returning. They actually just beat LSU in Kansas in a tournament this weekend. Uh, I think they're the team to beat to win the American Conference, but I think it's as wide open of a league. I don't think a team is going to dominate this league like UCF did in 2014 and 2015. I think the top to bottom, the league's improved with East Carolina's improving, Connecticut's improving. So I think it's going to be a tight race, um, and I think it's a bit of a transition because there's a lot of youth, especially in pitching. There's a lot of youth in pitching in the league right now. There's not that number one, there's not that all-American pitcher right now in the league as of now. They could be in the future, but not this year. So you might see some more offense this in the conference this year, and it could come down to which young pitcher steps up, whether it be a Watson at Tulsa or maybe a Leo White at UCF or someone else. All right, Eric, thank you so much, man. Uh, we greatly appreciate any time we ha- get to have you on to talk about softball. There's nobody that knows more about UCF softball than you do, and uh, we appreciate you you coming on and, and doing this for us. I always enjoy coming on with you and talking with you, Andrew. always appreciate the opportunity to uh, promote the sport of softball. And, uh, you know, tell Trace, you know, what's he doing getting, you know, Get out of town. Come, he should stay. Never, he should never leave. Don't let him leave. Don't ever let him leave the studio, all right? <laughs> I hear you. That would be great. All right. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. All right, buddy. Take it easy. It's a big one, March 22nd, number one in the country, Florida State. And they'll be at the UCF softball complex for a 5:30 game. Then American play begins. Houston in town for a weekend series. What else is happening this week? Let's look at your nightline planner. Uh, the uh, women's tennis. Home for the 21st for a 10 a.m. match with Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Women's soccer spring match against Stetson. Home at 7 p.m. on the 24th at the UCF Soccer Complex. Also on the 24th, men's golf. They'll be in Lake Worth, Florida for the FAU Sloman Autism Invite. That play continues from 25th and 26th. Growing is in Austin on the 25th for the Longhorn Invitational. And men's tennis travels to Tallahassee for a match with Florida State on the 26th. And now, news and notes from the world of UCF sports. Women's tennis falls to Tulsa Saturday. Earlier in the week, tonight split a pair, losing to Tulane while beating Rhode Island. UCF is 11-6. Women's track scores big during the UCF Black and Gold Challenge. Several nights had personal best times, while UCF finished amongst the tops in the nation in the 4x400-meter relay, the 100-meter dash, and the 100-meter hurdles, and the 4x100-meter relay. Men's tennis won at Florida Gulf Coast Sunday. They improved to 10-5. and five. Rowing wins five of six events in its home regatta at Lake Pickett in a field that included Yukon, Jacksonville, Nova Southeastern, and Stetson. I'll tell you a funny story of the week. As far as I'm concerned, UCF has awarded former NBA legend Hall of Famer Kareem Abdul-Jabbar an honorary doctorate of public service. Why exactly? Not sure, but it's interesting nonetheless. And finally... Have a UCF Coke and a smile. You can get a UCF logoed Coca-Cola bottles at Coke's website, and Coke is tracking the sales numbers. UCF is in the 34th spot ahead of the cows. Oh, my God. We need to, everybody, buy Coke. 
Bye, Cope. <laughs> it is pretty cool that you can do that, though. It, it is a cool thing that, that they're doing that, and you can it can be Diet Coke, Coke Zero, or uh, regular Coke. So it looks cool. I looked at the website for it, and it is cool to see the logo on the bottle like that. I mean, you know, Coca-Cola is such an iconic brand. been around for so long. To, to see UCF's logo on it is pretty neat. All right, let's hope that we have a basketball win to talk about next week. I'm Andrew Fegley. Nightline is brought to you by the Dever team. I'm Trey Stroker. See you in the studio next week, Andrew. Go Knights! Charge on. Charge on to the field. With our spirits, we'll never yield.